One of the stories I like to tell when I try to help people understand a different way of thinking about the economy is I like to take the old fish story that everybody's heard. Um, give a person a fish, they'll eat for a day. Teach them how to fish, they'll eat for a lifetime. And I like to point out why that's a lie. Not only is it a lie, it's a kind of a mean-spirited lie. That it's part of the whole blame the victim story that we've heard so many times. Because in a country like the United States where education is readily available, it's simply enough to say that if people had just learned how to fish, they wouldn't be poor. But think about what happens if you know how to fish and all the water holes are locked up. You don't have access to a fishing pole or a water hole, then your knowledge of how to fish will not even feed you one meal, let alone the rest of your life. And in a country like the United States where education is readily available but where access to fishing poles and water holes is not, then this story serves a, a, a certain kind of way of supporting the status quo and blaming the victim. And I like to talk to people about access to fishing poles and water holes being the wealth of a community. It's wrapped up in your access to these productive opportunities that allow you yourself to produce enough not only to feed yourself, but also to make a profit for somebody else. And we know that any exploitative system is going to need you producing enough for some more than for yourself, because you've got to live and eat. But if you're not also producing the extra, that's where the accumulation comes from. So we live in a society where there's a huge amount of accumulation and this growing discrepancy in wealth that we talked about that was so much a part of the Occupy Movement's uh, discussion, the lesson that it helped teach the nation, and uh, which is that this concentration of wealth ends up being a concentration of power in such a way that for democracy to be meaningful, you have to have control over something that makes a difference to you. It's not enough that you can control what color your hair is going to be, and you can't control whether or not you're going to get a chance to eat. All right? So if we have a system of ownership that allows the people who own the water holes and fishing poles to tell you whether or not you can access them and in fact make a bargain with you. Yeah, you can come here and access this as long as you catch one fish, first fish is mine, you get to keep one and the next nine you catch, I'm gonna keep them too. And this is the condition under which you get a chance to fish because I own it. I mean, and ultimately ownership allows you to have control over the, the access to that which you own and how it's utilized. So you can make a conditional access. It's not like. All right. We are here for another great episode of how to acquire a podcast. I'm your host, Derek Motree. Excited to, um, honored actually to have the ability to share the information that comes across my desk in this world of how to acquire the poor teach your children, how to buy the rich teach your children, how to sell and the wealthy. The wealthy, the wealthy, the wealthy. They teach their children how to acquire. That's how you'll know. But don't get me down that rabbit hole. Do not make me go down that rabbit hole. But that is how you will know if somebody is wealthy or not. At least that's what I believe. I believe that quote kind of reveals everything. And I'm also going to reveal it uh, uh, a secret. I'm going to reveal a secret. I usually say something like this for the end of the podcast, but I'm going to let one out early. If you teach people how to acquire, okay, let's do this. Shh. 
The poor teach their children how to buy. The rich teach their children how to sell. And the wealthy teach their children how to acquire. So how do you bypass the system? Well, if you can teach your children how to acquire, you immediately become wealthy. If you can teach your children how to acquire, you immediately become wealthy because that's what the wealthy do. It'll make sense later. So we had this quote from Ed Whitfield. And, you know, I don't know his his background. Oh, here we go. Ed Whitfield of the Fund of Democratic Communities on the importance of, of who owns the water holes and the fishing poles. And this uh, video was trending and I wanted to make sure we shared it because it lays a really great foundation for where we're going today. Uh, I'm actually going to have a few examples uh, today and I am sipping on my coffee. So if you hear me sipping, that is what it is. But he talks about a really fascinating topic. And I know people uh, are tuning in and usually we start with, you know, a, a billionaire or something along those lines. We'll get there. We'll get there. This episode is, and you'll see once it's published, it will be inspired by a billionaire. But I don't know if we'll be specifically talking about that billionaire the whole time. So hopefully that will make sense soon. So he says that this whole concept of teach a man a fish and he'll he'll eat for a lifetime type of situation is a lie because what if you don't have the fishing poles and who owns what and what if you don't have access to the watering holes and and I get it there's there's one thing I've learned is there's a little bit of truth in everything and there's a little bit of not in truth in everything I'll say this I see where he's coming from but I still will go with teach them how to fish let me see if I can find something real quick different ways to fish I'm doing this on the spot I like to on some episodes I like to just do like produce the episode as I'm talking instead of having everything ready sometimes that's cool too having like everything ready and boom 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 but then I sometimes like to just let me show you uh, different ways, ways to fish. Let's see. I, I'm doing this on the spot. I have no idea what's going to pull up. The five basic methods of angling are bait fishing, fly fishing, bait casting, spinning, and trolling. There are three main purposes of fishing, commercial, okay. Net fishing, line fishing, use of arrows, harpoons, barriers. So the the guy, uh, Mr. Whitfield was saying, uh, Ed Whitfield was saying, well, you know, first of all, do we even have the water holes? So I guess there, you know, is there even water there? But not all fishing has to do with water. What's the definition of fishing? I, I can already tell I'm going to love this episode. Because when we explore, you never know where it'll take you. 
Fishing definition. Fishing definition. Fishing definition. Oh no, we don't want slang. We just want fishing definitions. <clears throat> the activity of catching fish either for food or as a sport. Catch or try to catch fish. Catch or try to catch fish. Search typically by groping or feeling for something concealed. Boom. <laughs> Fishing doesn't always have to do with fish. If you teach a man to fish, it could be simply search typically by groping or feeling for something concealed. Do y'all see that? Let's see what this is groping. It sounds a little aggressive, but I do want to see what it <laughs> what it is. Oh boy. He's saying, you know, what if the water holes aren't there? See, that would mean that the only type of fishing that you're talking about are actual fish. Oh, boy. Grope. Feel about or search blindly or uncertainty with the hands. So you are you put your hands on something, you can't see what it is, and you're fishing for something. You're trying to get something, right? That's another form of fishing. You see that, right? I didn't make this up. Let's go back to the definition. Search typically by groping or feeling for something concealed. So one could say that if you teach a man to search, then rather than just give him something, he'll be able to eat forever. Right? I mean, do do you follow where I'm going with that logic? Because not all fishing has to do with fish. So on this episode, we search. So it came across our desk this week that Boardroom put out this list of America's top black billionaires. Number, should I go number one to seven or seven to one? I mean, you can see the picture if you're on Spotify. I guess we'll start at number seven. Number seven is Michael Jordan. We have not featured Michael Jordan. The reason why is we went over the laws of gold and it said, do not chase after romantic desires. And I've already romanticized the idea of sports, basketball. I, you know, I really do enjoy watching basketball uh, NBA. So I would romanticize it. So that's why I've stayed away. Rihanna is number six. At 1.7 billion, her source of her her wealth is music and cosmetics. There could be something there. I've talked about that before with the cosmetic side. I, I haven't um, romanticized cosmetics, but because it's Rihanna, I just feel like I might romanticize it. That said, I do want to have an episode inspired by a black woman billionaire. It's just finding the right person for it. I, I do want to have one. Um, because I think it's important to have that representation. I'll see who that could be. I'm trying to find something in frequency, uh, but we'll see. Number five, Kanye West, music and sneakers, 1.8 billion. We have not covered Kanye West. Probably won't, unless some unless a story comes out that I feel would give a, a, a different view. 
probably won't cover Kanye West. Number four, Alex Carp, source, software firm, $2.1 billion. Number three, Oprah Winfrey, source, TV shows, $2.7 billion. David Stewart, source, IT provider, $3.7 billion. Robert F. Smith, private equity, $6 billion. So the, this came out on Boardroom. I think Kevin Durant is part owner of this uh, Instagram site. And they do a whole bunch of different reviews. And this is the information that they came out with less than a day ago. And I thought this was interesting. It already has 6,000 likes. Um, I'm sure the, the views are even higher. And I found it interesting because we've already tapped into the David Stewart uh, frequency. And I was looking at the list, like who else could we look at? I talked briefly about Robert F. Smith on the other podcast that I host called Black Equity Podcast. So I was purposely not trying to have the same person mentioned on both podcasts just to give it something different. Right. And so one could say that I could study Oprah maybe in the future. But today we're going to go right dab in the middle here and look at this gentleman by the name of Alex Karp. And actually there's a comment on here. Look, this guy here says, is Alex on the right list? Someone else says, number four doesn't look black. And then there's a comment here. Everyone questioning Alex Karp is the same way us mixed biracial kids experience racism at an early age from our own kind. Skin tone doesn't make you black. His dad is Jewish and his mother is black. I wish people would stop excluding people based on skin tone when black could be produced every shade. Woo, that's deep. And then people respond back. Racism is based on skin tone. Woo, are you stupid? Just because Elon is South African, African doesn't make him black. Colorism is real and a lot of light, ambiguous looking black people use to their advantage to continue anti-black behavior. No one is being racist by wondering if someone who can pass as being white to their benefit is indeed black. It's a deep conversation. Now, I'm not going to go there on, on how to acquire. Maybe we could have talked about that on Black Equity Podcast. That could be a topic to kind of explore. Uh, but I'm not going to go there. But I do find it, in, as soon as this is posted, one of the first things that people were asking was, what's going on with this guy? And so I'm being completely transparent. I'm wondering what's going on with him too, but I'm, I don't care about the other stuff. I just don't know who he is. And you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to fish. You caught me. I'm here to search. Because if I can teach you how to fish, I'm sorry. If I can teach you how to search, you'll be able to eat for a lifetime. So everybody grab your handy dandy notebooks, grab your pens, and let's find out who Alex Carp is. And let's search and let's see if he can teach us something that we don't know. All right, let's play ball. We begin by doing a light search of who Alex Carp is. 
We go to Google. And by the way, I got to do this. I got to, I got to do this. When I first got into the podcast game, I ran into people who think they're all that. (laughs) And I was asking them questions because I thought they would be able to provide some, some answers. And they told me, well, just Google it. You don't need to just go Google it. So let's do something real quick. Let's Google Jesus. And so the first picture you see of Jesus is this guy. Do you see that? You Google Jesus. This is what comes up. Now, depending on what circle you're from, Jesus don't look like this. Right? I mean, right? So when someone tells you, go Google it, you'll get your answer. That is not uh, that is not sound advice. Just go Google it. No, uh-uh. So what I'm not going to tell you to do is just Google Alex Carp's name, and then the episode is over. What the heck? No, we're going to put his name in, and then we got to cross-reference. We got to look. We got to find. So it says here, go back to the Jesus thing for a second. If you just tell people to Google stuff, and you do it in a, in a way that's very arrogant and nonchalant. I, whenever I come across that kind of stuff, I just unfollow people and move forward with my life. Because you got to cut off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. This is ridiculous. See how fast you can debunk somebody's theory? Just Google it. Okay, well, I Google Jesus. Look at, look at what I got. I clicked on the first thing. You saw what I did. I I. I Put Jesus in, click on the first picture, and this is what they gave me. So when you tell someone to Google it, it's not enough. And if you don't want to mentor people, you don't want to help them, and you just want to tell people to go Google it, get out the game. Anyway, back on track here. Alex Karp. So it says Alexander Karp is an American former billionaire. Oh, former billionaire businessman and a co-founder and CEO of Plantier Technologies. As of 2022, his estimated net worth is $850 million. So, so we're now we're disputing if he's a billionaire? What is going on? This guy has a lot around him. Let me type in. Is Alex Karp a billionaire? $850 Oh, here we go. You know, Forbes knows everything. As of 2022, as of April 4th. Now, what did the other thing say? They're saying as of April 4th, he's a billionaire. This one says as of May. Oh, something must have happened April, May. One month? Hmm. Okay, well, we'll still act as if. Prior to April or May, and now it's June, all in one month, he's he's lost his billionaire status. I'm sure he'll be back to where he needs to be. But it says here, Alex Karp is the co-founder and CEO of data mining firm Plantier Technologies, which received early backing from CIA investment arm NQTEL. Oh, I like this. I really actually (laughs) think this is actually perfect because he's data mining. Why is that irrelevant? 
because we're fishing. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. We're going to put it all together. We're going to put it all together. Oh, man. Data mining is a process of sorting through large data sets to identify patterns and relationships that can help solve business problems through data analysis. Data mining techniques and tools enable enterprises to predict future trends and make more informed business decisions. I don't know if anybody can see this, but data mining and phishing have a lot of similarities. Let me see if I can find anyone else who has put those two together. Data mining is about finding in, uh, interesting patterns in a complicated data set. Data phishing, so they're still talking about that kind of phishing, refers to the unethical activity. No, I ain't talking about that kind of phishing. I'm talking about physical phishing with a, like a fish. Oh, we'll put searching, data mining and searching. Because they think I'm talking about something illegal. I, I don't want to go in that direction. Data mining and searching. How mining is different from searching. Okay. Search functionality helps users find specific documents they're looking for. Where text mining goes well beyond search to find particular facts. Okay, yeah. But it go, it's, it's taking a search and going beyond the search. Ooh, we got to write that down. We got to write this down. Beyond phishing. So in this world, phishing is not a good thing. So we got to not use the word phishing. But we can use the word searching. All right. So we are going to go beyond searching. Ooh. Teach a man to search. Teach a man to search. All right. Here we go. So he has a data mining company from firm Planteer Technologies. And let's look at the industry of data mining. And then we'll get back to Alex Carp in a second. I don't want to see the thing is uh, small minds talk about people. Average minds talk about events. Great minds talk about ideas. Data mining industry. Let's look at the idea behind that. And let's look at the outlook of it. Today, we're learning how to search. We're going to actually go beyond searching. The publishers forecast the connected mining market size to grow 12.7. Is this the same type of mining or is this like uh, gold mining? See, we, see if, you just, if you just put in, oh, this is so deep. This is so deep. The dude told me when I first got in the podcast game, just Google it. So basically just search it. And this episode is about going beyond the search which is what Alex Karp does with a data mining company. Do y'all see that? Going beyond the search. You got to go beyond the search. Now, is this mining about mining? Or is this about... Okay, hold up. The worldwide connected mining industry is expected. When you say mining industry... See, they keep talking about tracking mine workers. I feel like this is like gold and minerals. Okay, let's go back. Is data mining the future? I'm just reading. That's why I have to be, I got to focus. Oh, here we go. Here's some, this is what I'm looking for. 
good old IBI, IBIS world. Data mining software and the U.S. industry trends. Purchase this report. Market size. I don't need to. I'm not trying to purchase anything. I'll come back to you later. Uh, IBIS. Data mining tools, market size, share. Here we go. We want to look at what the industry looks like. It brings a lot of benefits. But what's the growth rate? What's the growth rate of the data mining industry? Oh, let's look at uh, revenues, at least. Why are we doing this? Because we're, we're going beyond the search. We started off the episode with a gentleman telling us that, you know, teach a man to fish, which means teach a man to search, it won't be enough. And so maybe he's right. Maybe we got to go beyond fishing, go beyond searching. The data mining market that consists of mining tools and services was valued at $591.2 million in 2018. It's expected to grow to $1.03 billion by 2023. Two due to compound annual growth rate. Mm, okay. So Alex Carp is in the data mining industry. The company does not contract work for government agencies. Oh, he does contract work for government agencies, like Department of Defense, the FBI, and Danish National Police. Plantier went public on New York Stock Exchange in the unusual direct listing process in 2022. So let's look at that. Plantier is a public company. So let's see, where is it trading at? I'm not telling anyone to invest in anything. Just, I want to give a full scope here. I want to go beyond the search. Plantier uh, stock. Oh, under 10 bucks. Okay, hmm, interesting. Uh, I'm going to say something that is not popular. I like, I like penny stocks. I like, uh, I'm not saying invest in anything. I'm not saying that. I'm not here to give investment advice. I like companies that are under 10 bucks on their stocks. I really do. I'm not saying I like every single company, but I like to begin there. I really do. There's room to grow. There's room to grow in those. Of course, you still got to do your due diligence. But if I was ever to get into the stock market game, you know, you see these people, they're, <laughs> they're uh, experts in trading stocks and things. Matter of fact, I have someone on Twitter that I think would be really good to bring on. We've been going back and forth talking. I think she would be really good. I know she has some friends that also look at penny stocks. That's my. That would be a world that I would explore more. Uh, so the Plantier Technologies is under ten bucks. It's down nine point six seven. So it must have been. You know, at one point it was up to almost twenty bucks. So okay, I, I don't know anything about the company. I'm not saying invest in it. I'm just saying it's under 10 bucks. That's all I'm saying. And it's low here is 6.71. So, okay. So there it is on the stock market. If you wanted to know more about Plantier, it, it is still there. Cart met Plantier co-founder and billionaire Facebook investor, Peter Thiel, while at Stanford Law School. Cart managed money before starting Plantier in 2014 and occasionally teaches meditation classes at the company. Let's hear from... Uh, Carp, and let's see what he's talking about. We are in London. 
In past earnings calls and over the course of two decades, we've been involved in many of the most important things that have affected Western society. But what makes um, these times special is the, the, the trends that we believed would happen are happening at an accelerating rate. And what's super interesting is why is the broader world so late in recognizing how these things are accelerating, what's happening, what is the genesis of the escapism this, the, 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 that our broader institutions, financial, cultural, legal, technical, why are they escaping to the metaverse or uh, faculty lounge jargon um, or political structures that are clearly not solving problems where inputs and outputs are totally anti, if at all, correlated? Um, uh, why is it that we are unable to see the violence uh, that is occurring as truly something that it will be part of our ongoing future and not as episodic? Um, uh, why do we describe these things as uncertainty when they are certain and are happening? Um, why is it that our institutions are not even pretend pretending that they will be able to hold the center while simultaneously pretending the center will coagulate to a center independent of new structures, new ways of doing things, of uh, new, new, new products, new institutions, new ideas. All right. So I want to say something that I'm noticing. He's asking a lot of questions, right? And I think that's important for us to get to truth. And I bet you, I don't know Alex Carp, never met him. I'm sure. Actually, I have a feeling that Alex Carp and I will meet. I just have a feeling. It will happen. What is data mining? Why am I bringing this up? He's going beyond the search. He's asking specific questions. In a mine of Give us one second here. He's asking specific questions to dig deeper. Also, I want you to notice something. We're talking about data mining, but really the source of his, the income of this company is government contracts. So government contracts we got to look at this government contracts market size his specific company leverages government contracts so let's look at government contracts I can't believe these people told me just google it should I name the episode just google it I can't do that I really can't do that a snapshot of government-wide contracting for the year of 2020. In fiscal year 2020, the federal government spent more than $665 billion on contracts. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Their bread and butter are government contracts in the data mining industry that has room to grow. Government contracts, data mining. Let's see what that gives us. Is there more room? Is Planeteer got it all covered? Or is there room for us to step in? Data mining, government contract, awards. Uh, it's not easily coming up. I would have to do a real deep dive. Oh, here we go. Research, development, test, evaluation funds, and the amount of $10 million will be obligated to the Department of Defense. That's just one area. 
That's interesting. I would like to look at that a little bit deeper. If there is room for this, maybe we need to look into data mining. Maybe not. But this gentleman is in between a billionaire and not a billionaire. He's built a, a huge company or a, a decent sized company. What, what is the annual revenues of Planeteer? A black billionaire that nobody calls a black billionaire because he's mixed race or Jewish and his mama was black. And so he's he's in the middle where black people are not paying him any attention. Most black people are walking right past this dude and saying, you're not one of us. And our revenues of plan a tier. I'm probably spelled it wrong, but we'll get there. Here it is. Plan a tier technology revenue for the 12 months ending March 31st, 2000. They're at 1.6 billion, an increase of 36.7%. This company is on the rise. Does anybody see what's going on here? Data mining. Oh, so we had that. Uh, Lady was going to teach us about data mining, right? Where'd she go? What is data mining and why is it important? Please teach me. Information, data mining can help. Like how mining for gold is digging through earth and rock for the valuable bits, data mining is sorting through large data sets to find the valuable information. The process of data mining involves using software, algorithms, and statistical methods to identify patterns in data to help answer business questions and predict future trends and behavior. Data mining techniques are used in business areas like marketing, risk management, fraud detection, cybersecurity, medical diagnosis, and mathematics, and research disciplines like cybernetics and genetics. Data mining is a means to drive increased efficiency in business operations, but it can also set a business apart from the competition in combination with predictive analytics, machine learning, and other aspects of advanced analytics. Read more about how these processes work in tandem by clicking the link above or in the description below. Data mining is sometimes used interchangeably with data analytics, but it's really a component of the overall data science and analytics process. Data mining focuses on finding relevant information in data sets, which can then be used for analytics and predictive modeling. All right, so there she's giving us a little bit there. Of course, we'll, we'll leave some links about data mining in the uh, the bio. So now I'm starting to get a little bit. Some, so the way that my mind works is I want to explore. And I believe some of the best ways to explore is to see the, the big picture and then keep scaling down, keep, keep going down, keep going down. So one of the black billionaires is in data mining industry. So what does that leave? Where does that take us? Okay, data mining takes us to the stock market. They're on the stock market. It has trending below $10. It was once at 18. Okay. They're saying he lost, he's not a billionaire anymore. He went down a little bit. Okay. Oh, and by the way, the majority of their stuff is through government contracts, not just United States. And data mining is about sorting and finding patterns and helping a company become more competitive. This sounds right up my alley. And more, and more than likely, back to this picture, if we're watching on Spotify, 
there's no way I would have walked past Alex Carp and said, there goes a black man. Just being honest. I'm not saying he's not black. I'm just saying if I walked past him, I would have missed it. They're saying back then his net worth was $2.1 billion. I mean, this was just posted 24 hours ago. So this guy is fluctuating between a billionaire and not a billionaire. So it's going to be sometimes he's on the list and sometimes he's not. There's a lot to learn from this. Nobody else in this particular area is in data mining. And see, they even, they're even undervaluing him a little bit. They're saying, oh, he's in software. But when you, do, when you really do the search, it's not just software. It's data mining. That's the, if you just go on here and they tell you to Google it, if you just Google Alex Cart, let's do it. Let's do Alex Cart. He, they say here he's a he's the CEO of the software firm Planetary. If you do no other digging, you'll just think, oh, it's software. Okay. No, it's not just software. It's data mining. That's very specific. It's very specific what he's doing. I want to play something for you. I was looking at this the other day. Let's see if we can find it. Miles Monroe was given a really great presentation on ownership. And Mr. Ed Whitfield was talking about ownership earlier. And as he was talking, I was thinking about, oh, no. He was saying that it's all about ownership. It's all about ownership. I'm going to show you that it's not all about ownership and why the, the spirit of ownership could be hurting you. I'm going to play this from Wisdom of Dominion, this 11-minute video. I'm going to jump in and out of this video. And I think this actually has everything to do with what we're talking about when it comes to going beyond the search. Let me show you what I mean. Video's coming up now. To tell you that we need to be careful about ownership. And I want to talk about this again. The spirit of ownership is a dangerous spirit. That's the individualism that we're talking about. And let me give you this list again. The spirit of ownership creates limitations. It creates frustration. It creates a spirit of depression and contention and scarcity. Spirit of ownership creates lack. It causes people to steal. The spirit of ownership also creates poverty because people feel like they can't get what they deserve. And so Ed Whitfield from the Democratic Committee Fund earlier came on and was talking about we need to have ownership. We got to be able to own those poles. Where's there, there may not even be fish. We got to own it so that we can control the ins and outs of it. And that thing about teaching a man to fish, what if there ain't no fish there? That's what he, I mean, right? I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying that's what he said. And, he, and you can kind of feel him ready to fight. And Miles Monroe, Dr. Miles Monroe, rest in peace. He's saying, well, maybe this is why you feel it that way. Actually kill and fight to get it. The spirit of ownership is so dangerous that it actually creates sickness and disease and death because people are depressed 
over what they can't have. We fight and kill ourselves working two jobs. Can't sleep. You go from a day job to a security job. Don't see your kids. Don't see your children. Don't see your wife. Don't see nothing. Don't see even see God. Ain't got time for prayer. No church. No ministry. And at the end of it, you got yourself a sick body. That's what ownership does. It creates death. Ladies and gentlemen, young men and great women, I have no idea how long I'm going to live. So when we first hear that, it's, it's interesting because it reminds me of when Tyler Perry was giving a speech and he said, it's all about ownership. Let's see if we can find it. We're going to really go beyond the search today. There was a, a, a Tyler Perry quote and they were saying, how do you do it? How do you do it? And he says, all about ownership. It's all about ownership. It's all about ownership. And a lot of people run around. Uh, the black wealth space, and really all wealth spaces. Ownership, 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 ownership. It's all about ownership. You got to own, you got to own. If you don't own, you don't own. You don't get it, you don't get it. And every time I hear it, I start cringing a little bit. Tyler Perry, look at it. Third on the list. See if that is actually the speech or Tyler Perry. Ownership changes everything. Why Tyler Perry owns everything he's ever made. Here we go, let's see. We just finished recording on Riverside. And, and Tyler Perry, was Tyler Perry on that list? I don't think he's on. That's interesting that Tyler Perry's not on this list yet. He's not on the billionaire list from earlier. But we'll pull this up. We'll pull this up and we'll see what Tyler Perry has to say about ownership. And then we'll get back to Dr. Miles Monroe. This, what he's about to tell us is eye-opening. Mother and my father into uh, actually owning, their, buying the house and selling it. But, you know, they came from a Jim Crow South. That kind of right. reality wasn't for them. So, uh, now, what we do here is have a conversation, man. Kid, man, my father uh, worked. Man, you know, we don't want people to get too comfortable, <laughs> you know? And he would come home so happy because he had made $800. He made his money. He said, I made this much money. And he had to pay his employees out of it because he had other subs under him. Right. And I always watched a man who built the house and owned it sell it for $80,000. Mm. So he got eighty. My father got eight hundred, and he mm. thought it was a wonderful thing. And I even remember being a kid trying to talk my mother and my father into uh, actually owning, their, buying the house and selling it. But, you know, they came from a Jim Crow South. That kind of right. reality wasn't for them. They didn't get it. Right. So ownership was the key, man. Ownership. That's the thing that made me, that has changed everything in my life. I own Every play, every movie, uh. every character, mm. every TV show, it's all owned by me. And that is what has set the difference of me being able to say, I'm going to set a path where I can open the door for everybody else. Absolutely. Or waiting for somebody to give me a job. Man. And I see where he's coming from. I'm not saying he's wrong, but I do want to look at a different point of view. Let's see what Dr. Miles Monroe finished this saying. And by the way, if you don't know who Dr. Miles Monroe is, uh, let's do a little quick bio i believe he's from the bahamas dr miles monroe i'll just google it <laughs> miles monroe obe was a bohemian i apologize if i say that the wrong way uh, however you pronounce the proper way of saying that he's from bahamas 
evangelist and ordained minister, avid professor of the kingdom of God, author, speaker, and leadership consultant who founded and led the Bahamas Faith Ministries International and Miles Monroe International. That's a, that's a decent bio, I would hope. So let's finish hearing what Dr. Miles Monroe has to say. But I hope you get this message before we leave this planet, that there is no alternative except heaven. And this is a reality to me. Jesus came to earth to remove the spirit of ownership. But our culture is... Jesus came to earth to remove the spirit of ownership. Tyler Perry said it's all about ownership. This is about to get good. The guy, uh, Mr. Whitfield, in the beginning of this, the podcast said it's all about ownership. So where are we at? Let's, let's, let's see. Let's see. Remember, on ownership. So we have a, a fight going on in our minds constantly. That's why it's very difficult to live in the kingdom of God. I'm talking about you. Matter of fact, Jesus said, and I'll read it in a minute, but he said it is, it is, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He didn't say it was impossible. But it's hard because the mentality is completely reversed. Because rich means I own. Kingdom means he owns. And to switch from me to him, that's a tough job. Mm. The rich believe that they own it. But when you enter the kingdom of God, you realize that God owns it. And that's a whole nother level of wealth. So wait, if it isn't about ownership, then what is it about? And you'll even see like right now on social media, people will run around and say, I own this, I own that, I own this, I own own 15 of those and I own this and look at what I own and I, I own this but look at my portfolio I own, I own, I own, I own, I own let me put it another way I call it the curse of eternity Ecclesiastes says read aloud please whoever loves money never has money enough whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income wow, tell your neighbor you're talking about you this is in the bible, this is great stuff in the bible isn't it, read this too is meaningless as goods increase, so to do those who consume them. As what? As goods increase. Ooh, go back. With his income. Wow. Tell your neighbor you're talking about you. This is in the Bible. This is great stuff in the Bible, isn't it? Read. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so to do those who consume them. As what? Goods increase. So do those who consume them. Now, those of you who are going to be teaching this year, you know, but a call and others, I want you to listen to this. I'm laying down some scriptures for you to teach from. That is an economic lesson. The Bible is saying, the more money you make, the more things you got to spend it on. So you ain't never got no spare money. You ever notice that? You're making more now and still ain't got no money. <laughs> the Bible says it's futile. Look at the next verse. Read. And what benefit are these things to the owner except to feast his eyes on them <laughs> just look at your car and you can't afford to pay the note 
You walk around your house and it ain't yours. It belongs to the bank. He says it's, it's, it's frustrating. Now, look at the next verse. Very interesting. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 12. Read. Whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Oh, dear. Are y'all catching what this guy is putting down? Why are we talking about all this? It's going to make sense at the end. And then I'm going to tie it all together with data mining. Because part of data mining is going beyond the search. It's going beyond what's in front of you. And noticing the patterns of everything around you. And what better way to do that than doing a data mining on wealth and what wealth really means. Verse 13, I have seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner or wealth lost through some misfortune so that when he has a son, there's nothing left for his son. How many wealthy people you know are now broke? Famous actors, famous boxers, famous wrestlers, famous musicians. They are broke. Nothing to leave to their children. Wealth hoarded. Wealth what? Hoarded is what? To the harm of, there's that word, owner. You can never hoard what is not yours. (laughs) Wealth hoarded. I love this. Let's see. Wealth hoarded. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is good. Scripture. We're going beyond the search today. Because it's easy just to put in Alex Carp's name and then do, do, you know, we did some digging last, last episode. Or was it the episode before? We were just digging for for information and gold, right? We got to go beyond just digging. Now we got to notice the patterns that we're picking up. Ecclesiastes 5 and 13. Tell us, wealth hoarded does so to the harm of the owner. See, I'm cross. It's cool to listen to Dr. Miles Monroe. It's cool to listen to T.D. Jakes. It's cool to listen to everybody. But are you cross-referencing to make sure that what they're telling you is the truth? He just said this, and guess what? It's there. All right, we'll keep going. You can only. That's why, if if wealth hoarded does harm to the owner, then wouldn't it be smart not to own it? Choose what is not yours. I want you to lay this foundation in your Let's mind. Let's go back. Right? Look at it. 30 seconds. Owner. You can never hoard what is not yours. You can only use what is not yours. I want you to lay this foundation in your mind. All right. Look at it. Next verse. Verse 15. Read out loud. Naked a man came from his mother's womb. And as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hands and this too is a grievous evil as a man comes so he departs and what does he gain since he toils for the wind all his days he eats in darkness with great frustration affliction 
and anger. Most people are living that way. They work the whole week. At the end of it, they're angry, frustrated, because the check went directly to the bank. Wake up. God is saying, your system is not working. If you don't own, you have access. Mm. If you don't own, you have access. Gotta write that one down. So the principle of kingdom is lordship. This is why kingdoms are opposite to democracies. In democracy, the prime minister owns nothing. He doesn't own the country. The president of a country owns nothing in the country. But in a kingdom, it's opposite. And that's why God preached the kingdom to us. The kingdom, in a kingdom, Adam was given rulership, but never given ownership. Because the source of our poverty is this idea of what I own. And ownership is what brings fear that someone's going to steal my stuff. Suspicion that you want my things. Competition that you try to get my things. And you try to cover other people's things you ain't got. All that is from the spirit of ownership. Look at that list. And that is happening right now in our country. One of the laws that God gave us is thou shalt not covet. You can only covet if you think someone got something that you should have. If you own or have access to everything, then you covered nothing. <laughs> I've seen people, once they get some assets, they start holding on to it and I own this and I own, I own it. And they push everybody back, push, push. I own it. They don't realize that when you're in the kingdom of God, you already have access. You have access to everything. You have rulership. Rulership. And that's why they're so worried about someone else taking it because they know deep down it's not theirs. Comprende? I'm going to say it again. If you got access to everything, you don't have to covet anything. So covetousness is a sign that you think you own something. My mind is going into something. What does data mining and access have to do with each other? Data mining of access. I think they're talking about Microsoft Access. Data mining allows access to what? The reason why I'm doing this is because I think there's something there and I want to make sure we uncover it and go beyond a search. Data mining. Data mining is a process used by companies to turn raw data into useful information. By using software to look for patterns in large batches of data, businesses can learn about their customers to develop more effective marketing strategies, increase sales, and decrease costs. Data mining depends on effective data collection, warehousing, and computer processing. It's, it's about patterns. But it's something deeper. There's something else there. I want to find it. 
Here we go. Data mining can be a cause for concern when a company uses only selected information, which is not representative of the overall sample group. What is another term for data mining? Also goes by the less used term, knowledge, discovery and data, or KDD. Okay, uh, back to Dr. Miles Monroe. Or you think someone else owns something that you should have. That's why God hates covetousness. It's a sign that the spirit of ownership has taken over a person. This is why you should never, you know, God told David one time, God said, David, fret not yourself because of evildoers. For even though they seem to prosper, tomorrow they are like grass, withered away. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Don't be jealous of people who think they get in the head, you're watching them get in the head. Don't worry about that. You own nothing. I hope you get this. Adam was given access to everything that he needed. We need to get back to needs. We are so motivated by wants. We forgot what we need. You need water. You need food. You need covering. Do you need five flat screen televisions? I remember Abraham's son. Just like your son may ask you a question. Sometimes my children ask me questions too. You know, they say, Daddy, how are we going to do this? She Daddy, how are we going to pay this? And Abraham's son asks him the same question. Where's the sacrifice? And his answer was a good answer. Make it your answer this year. What, what did he say? The Lord will provide. Give him a praise right there. He, he, that's, that's a good answer. In other words, Abraham abandoned the system and shifted to dependency on who? The Lord. What does the word Lord mean? The owner. When Abraham was walking with that little boy and the donkey with the sticks up one side of the mountain, on the other side of the mountain, was a ram coming up on the other side. When you start moving in obedience, God starts moving all kind of things toward you. If you got faith, grab that right there and say, Lord, I'm moving. Hallelujah. If you take God's word and say, Lord, I don't know how, but I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what I know to do. I'm going to walk toward you. I'm just going to walk. I don't know how. Believe me, this week, God got a ram on the other side. And it's coming towards you. And it's going to be right on time. Somebody give God a praise. There is a spirit of ownership that everybody's trying to have. And that's why we start off the episode with the gentleman talking about fish and he said hey, Lewis, I think we should go back to Mr. Whitfield I'm sure he's a great guy the, the question was new economy, green economy solidarity economy, uh, socialism what do you call the work you're doing and a lot of times it's important in order to get work done not to approach it from the standpoint of an existing label but really talk to it, about it in a way where it grows out of people's life experiences 
Um, so one of the stories I like to tell when I try to help people understand a different way of thinking about the economy is I like to take the old fish story that everybody's heard. Um, give a person a fish, they'll eat for a day. Teach them how to fish, they'll eat for a lifetime. And I like to point out why that's a lie. Not only is it a lie, it's a kind of a mean-spirited lie. That it's part of the whole blame the victim story that we've heard so many times. Because in a country like the United States where education is readily available, it's simply enough to say that if people had just learned how to fish, they wouldn't be poor. But think about what happens if you know how to fish and all the water holes are locked up. You don't have access to a fishing pole or a water hole, then your knowledge of how to fish will not even feed you one meal, let alone. Then he starts going into ownership. But what if you have access? See, he is walking with the spirit of ownership and it comes off as you don't have access to the kingdom. If you have access to the kingdom, then you always have access to the waters, uh, access to the kingdom of God. These biblical keys are our inheritance as believers. It gives both access and authority in God's kingdom. If you're walking in a spirit of ownership, then that means somebody else owns something that you don't own. And then you'll say, well, I don't have the water and I don't have the, the fishing poles. But when you have a spirit of access to the kingdom that God owns, why would God keep that from you? When you go beyond the search of people like Alex Carp, you'll realize that it's not just a software firm. It's a data mining. You'll realize that data mining is all about finding patterns, taking large sets of, of data and using that to your advantage in business. Also, we talked about how to acquire. So the poor teach your children how to buy, the rich teach your children how to sell, and the wealthy teach your children how to acquire. Well, then how do you acquire? Through access. There's an, another quote that says, own nothing. Control everything. Own nothing, control everything. Typically, people refer to this phrase to me that you should be smart enough to protect your assets, avoid transparency and taxes. They say it's a, a credited to John D. Rockefeller. It's about asset, asset protection. But what I'm coming from is if you own nothing and control everything, that means you have dominion. What does dominion mean? sovereignty or control right if you have dominion over something it means you have rulership rulership the act or act or fact of ruling or the state of being ruled who who decides rulership who decides rulership Monarchy in a political system based on the sovereignty of a single ruler. Democracy, a term that means rule by the people. Let's put this, rulership in the kingdom of God. Oh, I love this. This is going to help somebody today. This is going to help a lot of people. 
What is the difference between a leader and the kingdom of God? What is leadership in the kingdom? What is God's definition of leadership? Oh, I don't want leadership. I want rulership. I apologize. I put leader. <clears throat> Did y'all see that? Daniel 7 and 27 promises rulership to the saints and God's government, which is why an essential decision in our lives re- revolves around government. Government is an overriding issue in the Bible. Who will rule in our lives, God or Satan? It's that simple. Let's go to another part here. What is God's rulership? A vital part of of the destiny of those whom God has called and with whom he is working in rulership. We are We are called to a future rulership assisting Jesus Christ in his reign of the kingdom of God and ultimately reigning reigning over all things. People always ask me, why do I come at things from this angle? Well, let's look at my name. What does the name Derek mean biblically? Power of the tribe, ruler of the people. When I was coming up, I learned that Derek meant gifted ruler. In English, baby names, the name Derek is gifted ruler, people ruler. I learned this early on. And why does that matter? That it comes down to rulership. Rulership, the act or fact of ruling of the state of being ruled. Who grants the rulership? The Lord. So when God puts you in a position to rule, God owns all the assets. And then there's certain places that you have dominion over. When you go beyond the search and you start looking for patterns, you start discovering things. That's what Alex Carp is teaching me today. Go beyond the search. Go beyond what's right in front of you. Because if you don't, You'll type in Jesus into Google and it'll spit back this image. Oh, even look over here. If you type in Jesus on Google, look at what movie pulls up. It's a drama history. Look at this. Look who was casted as Jesus. This is the dangers of just Googling it. Brian Deacon. They're telling me that's Jesus. This is the movie I should be looking at when it comes to Jesus. But we all know Jesus had hands of Brad, was it?
what was it? Hair. Jesus had hair of wool. Where's that thing? Revelations offers a clue that Jesus' skin was a darker hue and that his hair was a wooly in texture. The hairs of his head, it says, were white as white wool, white as snow. His eyes were like flames of fire and his feet were bron- uh, burnished bronze. What color is that? Whew. I don't acquire a podcast, boy. This is the color of burnished bronze for those watching on Spotify. Look at that color. <laughs> Does everybody see this? That's what burnished bronze color is. But if you just Google Jesus, because that's what they that's what some of your friends are telling me to do. When I first got in the podcast game, and they're supposedly out here mentoring people, and I asked them a question, they said, just Google it. If you just Google Jesus, that's what you find. A white man. But when you do a deeper, deeper mining of data and you start finding patterns, you start uncovering truth. Why am I saying all this? Because God has called you to be a ruler as well and have dominion over whatever area you're supposed to have dominion over. The poor teach their children how to buy. The rich teach their children how to sell. And the wealthy, they teach their children how to acquire. How to get access. And anybody who doesn't want you to have access is because they have a spirit of ownership. Who else talks about the spirit of ownership? Let's see who else talks about it. We got about a few more minutes. So this video is 11 minutes long. His original video was 32 minutes. Let's see if we can. Data science. Second. Let's see if we can find in that 32 minutes, another clip inside of it. The full teaching is 32 minutes long. About ownership. And I want to talk about this again. When he come, ain't nothing but the joy. (laughs) Buy your own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody say covetousness. You're only supposed to be supplied by God what you need. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. So God really wanted to extend this, this government of heaven to earth where It's a spirit of access. He wants to create a culture of heaven on earth. Dr. Miles Monroe, his lifetime is spent in trying to bring that culture to your earth. If you can get get it as a culture. Culture means I don't have to think about it anymore. It's a part of my, my natural response. I don't own things. That's tough. As a culture. I got an email from one of our members. I know she's here this morning. And she said, when she went home last week, she walked in the house and she saw the house all messed up. And someone been in her house and dug up the whole house and took stuff. 
And then she said, when the police came, they'd taken all their reports and stuff. Police became a little angry at her because she was happy. And she said, she, she said, and she said, she said, I tell the police, police said, why are you so happy? How come you? She said, I told them I don't own nothing anymore. They didn't steal from me. They stole from God. And the Bible says, vengeance is the Lord's. Lord, have mercy. Don't fall into the hands of the Lord. Come on, somebody. So whether the police catch him or not, God got his number. Knows where he's hiding. Going to take care of everything. God's going to bring judgment. And he's going to vindicate you in Jesus' name. If you don't own. If you don't own. God says, I want you to dominate earth. We know the scripture very well. But I want to show you how it connects. He said, I want you to, to manage things. Don't own them. Just rule them. Don't own them. Just control them for me. We don't own things. And so we have this reminder. You are free to eat. Remember that last week? From every tree in the garden, God says, you're free to eat. From any tree in the garden. Access to everything. God's attitude. So therefore, we have this. I want you to write this down in our closing. God says, I want you to be in my kingdom. The key to all kingdoms is the king. And the glory of a king is territory. And the power of all kings is personal ownership of that territory. Kingdoms are different from democracies. And the distinction between a king and a president is ownership. The word ownership is the word Adon or Adonai, and it means Lord. The word Lord, therefore, means that the king automatically owns the country, everything in it. And therefore, to live in a kingdom, there is no private ownership. Us who were born in the Caribbean, being under colonialism, knows this, even in our defective kingdoms, we know this to be truth. In the Bahamas, for example, all the land was called crown land. The forest was called royal forest. The police was called the Royal Bahamas Police Force. The defense force is still called the Royal Defense Force. Royal means it's property of the queen. No one in the Bahamas could have owned properties when we were under the British Empire. We could use it, we couldn't own it. It was called crown land. All the land, all the islands were actually ownership of a king that was far away in England. And they owned the country. They owned the birds, they owned the fish, they owned everything. You had to get permission to go fishing. A kingdom is different. That's why we have to understand commonwealth. The king owns everything, so the king gets rid of these things right here. What's the first one? Fear. What kind of fear? Fear that you can get more than me. Fear that I won't get any. If the king owns everything, you can't have fear of you getting robbed by someone else because 
Nobody owns anything. What's the second one? Greed. If the king owns everything, then you can't take everything. So you can't be greedy because you can't own. What's the third one? Worry. If the king owns everything in the country and you're living in the country, the king's country, you don't got to worry about anything because everything belongs to him and he have, you have access to everything. So do not worry what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Why? Seek first to get into the kingdom, he says. These things come along with citizenship. What's the next one? Scarcity. You don't got to worry about losing stuff or not having enough because the king owns everything. What's the fifth one? Competition. There's no competition if there's nothing for you to compete for. Jealousy. There's no need to be jealous of anyone who got something that you already have access to also. Kingdom living. How about envy? You ain't got to envy nobody for nothing because what they got is also accessible to you. How about covetousness? You ain't got to cover anything if you got everything available to you. Boy, kingdom life is something else. How about number, number eight, strife. You ain't got to strive for nothing if you got access to everything. Poverty. There's no poverty. Everybody got everything. Kingdoms cancel poverty. Ooh, I can't wait. Ooh, it's going to be a good year. <laughs>